You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I think it's it's um, in times of trial and in times of uncertainty where where people do kind of reveal their true colors. You actually do get to see what people are really made of and, and what their thought process is. And, and some of it is good and some of it you like and some of it you don't. And, um, and the challenge for each one of us right now is that, that we do need to, to wrestle with it and wrestle with God about it. You know, Jacob became Israel because he wrestled with God and he prevailed. And I think we need to take that same spirit and that same heart that we do need to wrestle through our problems with God. You do need to wrestle through until, until you get to the place where that you know you've got a hold of God and you say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Because the way that you can clear up miscommunication or confusion is with the word of God, is with the blessing of God. What is God calling you right now? If you get a word from God, if you get a, 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 a name from God, if he gives you a new name right now, if he calls you something right now, then your path is clear. Then you don't have to wrestle anymore. You can start to walk out. You can start to advance and take ground on the path that he has called you to live on. So I was wrestling with the weight of the word this week because we know it's the word of God that sets people free. We know it's the word of God that gives us direction and purpose. And so I was, I was praying and asking God, for the, for the word, you know, what is the word that, that he wanted to speak through me this week? And, uh, and I was having trouble, honestly. I was having trouble hearing what that word was. I was having, having trouble getting clarity with, with not just what the word was, but how to deliver it, to how to share it. And so, um, you know, when I'm having trouble hearing from God, I uh, do the next best thing. I ask my wife. <laughs> I ask my wife what word should I bring this week? And um, at the time she was having kind of a rough day and um, there's just been so much going on and the kids were being kind of crazy and um, a lot of problems just started popping up all at once. And so she was, uh, she was standing over the stove making dinner for our boys, put on a pot of water to boil and uh, gonna make some mac and cheese. Who loves Blue Box? Anybody love Blue Box? Come on. <laughs> and, uh, and so she told me that she got a bit of a revelation just standing there watching the water boil. <laughs> and uh, so she said, it's Connect Sunday, so you should talk about the excitement that happens when you start to see the first bubbles forming up when water starts boiling, that there's connection, that it establishes relationship. And I'm, so I'm thinking, okay, you know, connection, relationship, water boiling. Hmm. So I did the next best thing. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say that. She said I didn't explain it well. And it's true. I did not explain it well. I didn't do it justice. So you can come talk to her afterwards <laughs> and get the, the real story. But, uh, but it actually did spark something in my mind when she said that. The, uh, the process from November 3rd, the elections, until this week has, has been a lot like watching water boil. <laughs> it's been a lot like waiting and... and uh, you know, maybe you see, maybe there is a little bit of excitement. You start to see bubbles come up, but then they come up and they just burst. There's been a lot of bubbles being bursted over the last couple of months. Um, some like it, some don't. But uh, in, in a way, there has been a fair amount of excitement. In a way, um, there is 
there is a, a process that's happening right now that has been a little bit like watching water boil, but it's, it's kind of coming to a head right now. And um, what I want to talk to you today about is, is at first I was thinking, well, maybe because the water's not at a rolling boil, we need to turn up the heat. But when I started to think about that, I, I thought, you know what? We have, we have lit a lot of fires over the last few months. I mean, I think over the last couple of months, for us in this church, we have prayed maybe more than we ever have. Men's prayer, women's prayer, every Sunday, pressing in during the week. We have lit a lot of fires. We have turned up the heat. And, and I would say that every one of those prayers will produce fruit. Some of them already have, and others... They are in the process of producing fruit. God, God's word says that, that none of his words will return void. So if you've been given a, a word from heaven and you've prayed that out, believe that it will not come back void, that it will accomplish its intended purpose. Maybe not in the timing that we think or we understand, but in his timing. So don't discount any of those prayers that have been prayed. But maybe right now, instead of turning up the heat, it is time to put the pot on a different burner. Maybe it's time to shift our focus in a way. And I believe right now, the important thing is, is not about who is and who isn't president. The important thing for us right now, when we're in a season where it's clear that we're living in a divided kingdom, it's obvious, social media, everything else, that we are living in a divided kingdom. And it's not about Republican and Democrat, it's not about liberal and conservative, left or right. What it comes down to is truth and deception, good and evil, darkness and light. That's what we need to be focusing on right now. And as I was praying about that, praying about how do we, how do we bridge this divided kingdom, um, you know, I was looking a lot at, at, at the kingdom of Israel and the nation of the Hebrews and how it was divided, Israel and Judah. And for a long time, after the time of Solomon, that the nation was never reconciled Israel and Judah. And some would say even, even when Israel became a nation again in 1948, that there still hasn't been a real unification of those two separate divided parts of the kingdom. And that's a whole other message in there, but, but it's, it's not exactly where I want to go today. But I did, I did think about something in looking at our, our president who has left office for a time, what he has done over his first term. And I think one thing that I wanted to focus on today, whether you like President Trump or not, it, it's, it's hard to, to say um, in this specific area that he wasn't affected or effective or he didn't accomplish a lot or accomplish something that maybe no other president has ever done. And it's specifically in his uh, negotiations and mediations in the Middle East. What he's done with Israel and the surrounding Arab nations, how he's brought them to the table and initiated the conversations and helped develop and, and uh, push forward a plan for peace in the Middle East. I think no other president in history um, has done what he's done. I mean, even, even what President Jimmy Carter did with the Camp David Accords was significant, starting the process, bringing Israel and Egypt to the table. But right now, what President Trump has laid out, does anybody know what the name of the accords are that he's pushed forward? The Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords. And there's so much in a name. Abraham, very important word. The Abraham Accords. And I want to talk about that um, because I think 
what's in a name matters. And I don't know who came up with that name, whether it was President Trump or his team, but uh, what I do know is that the Abraham Accords is based on bringing together the three Abrahamic religions that are in that nation, that are in that area. There's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And what he's done so far is four different Arab nations have come to the table with Israel to establish the, the future prospects of peace. They've come and signed this agreement, which has never happened before, in this way, and it's opened the door for so many more nations to come to the table. Saudi Arabia is on the brink of coming into the table. Things are happening right now in the Middle East because of what President Trump and that administration has done to initiate the concept of peace. And I think what, we can, what I wanna share with you today is, is we can look at that model. We can look at, tap, at what's happening right now with the Abraham Accords, and we can apply it to the divide that's happening right now in the church. There's been so many calls for unity on, on both sides of the aisle, all across the board. People wanna champion unity, and, and that's a great thing in concept, but the problem is, is that it's not political approaches, it's not executive orders, it's none of those things in the political realm that are actually gonna bring the unity that we need in this country. The unity that we need in this country, it has to start with the church. And right now, the church is just divided as the world. The church is just divided as political parties. The church is just divided as anything you'll see out there on social media. And that's actually what's most concerning to me. What I've, what I've discovered, what I've learned, or God's revealed to me is that the path to peace right now, it's not about trying to, to bridge the gap between two political parties. It's not trying to, to fill up that divide because that would be impossible. I've come to realize that, that there's no way that myself or anyone else is gonna be able to convince every Christian in this country that one political party or platform supports the Bible and then the other one doesn't. Because the truth is there's Christians on both sides of the aisle. The truth is that there's people who are doing uh, not what God wants them to do on both sides of the aisle. There's, the truth is that even within the church, there's people who are divided in a way, who are deceived in a way. And it's not about condemning or judging people who may or may not be deceived. I know that for, for me and myself, I, I look at the Bible and I, I try and pull out you know, as much as I can from there and apply it to, uh, to who I'm going to vote for or, or the political platform that I'm going to support. I try and see, you know, where's the connection? Where's the relationships? But the truth is I'm looking through my lens. I'm looking through my experiences, my life, where, how I've lived it, you know, who my parents were, what they've taught me, the leaders that I have over my life. But nobody else has the same lens that I do. None of us here have the same lens. So many people outside in this community have the same lens as any one of the rest of us. So it's gonna be impossible for, for me to communicate in a way to convince everybody else out there that, that what I see as the truth is the truth for them as well. It's up to each one of us actually to look for ourselves and determine the truth, not from what we think, but what he wrote down. What God has written down, that's the only source of real truth. That's the only way that we can look past our own lenses and see with a God's eye view, a God lens of what's happening right now. And you will be called to determine for yourself what you believe, just like everybody else out there. So what I wanna share with you today is the path to unity in the church is not going back to look at the source of division, but it's going back to look at the place of common blessing. 
What's so, what's so amazing to me about the Abraham Accords is that if you look at the nation of Israel and all of the other Arab nations in, in that region, if you go back to Abraham, Abraham was the place of common blessing. Abraham was the father of Ishmael and Isaac. It's not about where the division occurred, it's where the common blessing occurred because you have to go back to Abraham to find the place where everybody was blessed. And it says in the word that all nations are blessed by him. Genesis 22, 16 to 18. This is what the Lord says to Abraham. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. All because you have obeyed me. For the church, for Christians, in order for there to be unity, we need to go back to the source of common blessing. We need to go back to the place where it's not about uh, interpretations, it's not about doctrines, it's not about you know uh, certain preachers or, or what they believe. It's got to be a place that's common blessing. It's got to be a place where we were all of one accord. We all had the same purpose, the same idea, and you know we could we could spend hours and days and weeks peeling back the layers of, of every division that's happened in the church over the last 2,000 years, and we certainly don't have enough time for that this morning. So why don't we just go back to the beginning? Is that, anybody think that's a good place to start? Let's start at the beginning. Okay, we're going to go back to Acts, to the beginning of the church, Acts 2, 38 to 41. In the NLT, it says this, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. An interesting footnote on that verse 39, and it, says, it also says, or it says it could be, and to the people into the, far into the future. Those far away or people far into the future, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Somebody say a long time. time. Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day in all about 3,000 people. 3,000 people coming to Christ in one day, and what some may say was the first day of the church, the day of Pentecost, where the Spirit of God fell down and believers came together. In that upper room at Pentecost, there was 120 people, and the Spirit of God fell on them like a fire. The Bible says that, that those disciples, they were consumed with tongues as fire, and they started speaking in tongues, they started prophesying, and the Spirit came on Peter, And he stood up and he preached this message and 3,000 people came to the church that day. From 120 to 3,000. Somebody say revival. Revival. Come on. We've got about 120, maybe more people here today. Imagine if 3,000 people just all of a sudden showed up. Would Would we be ready for them, Heather? Come on. She says yes, I believe her. We'd be ready. That word, I think, is, is the word that God put on my heart for this week in this message, more than any other word. Even at, at uh, Wednesday night service at Balboa, I was just praying in, in the worship and in the, in the message. God revealed to me the word, and the word that he gave me was revival. I think that in order for the church to heal, we have to go back to this place of common blessing where it becomes not about doctrines, 
It's about exactly what Peter preached. And it even says in Matthew 16, 18, that Jesus told Peter, you are a rock, and on this rock I will build the church. The start of the church happened when the Spirit of God was released. People were praying. People were believing. The Holy Spirit came down, and then people got saved. We need to get back to that. As a church, the only way we're going to be unified is if we get back to seeing people saved, seeing people set free, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and convict each one of us, not worrying about what our brother or sister is doing or saying, but worrying about what the Spirit of the living God is saying to us right here and right now. The only path to unity is with common blessing. And I think that can happen, and I think that needs to happen right here, right now. So how do we do that? How do we get that started? How do we, we bring about a revival? I mean, so many people are talking about it right now, which is a good thing, because the more that you talk about it, it is a little bit like social media game, that uh, the more you talk about it, the more it pops up on your feed, right? As the more likes something happens, the more it starts popping up, and then more likes happen, and then more, more excitement is generated. So we need to keep talking about revival. We need to keep believing that now is the season of revival. And that word stuck with me so much that I did some research on it. But uh, one thing jumped out at me that I wasn't really sure how to, how to describe or relay. Um, and that's, that's when you think about the word revival, in order for that to happen, something has to be dead. Because you can't revive something that's already alive. Something actually has to be dead or nearly dead in order for it to be revived. So I started to think, okay, well, what, what is dead right now? The church is not dead, and the church will never be dead because the Bible says that Jesus Christ has built his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's not that the church is dead, it's just divided. So what's lacking right now is harmony. Harmony. And any of the amazing worship team up here, the singers will tell you that in order for you to, in order for there to be harmony, that everybody has to be in tune and everybody has to be in time together, in tune and in time. That creates harmony. There's disharmony right now in the church. So we need to get back to the place where the church is in tune and in time. Now, if I were to, to give each one of you here today a musical instrument, and, and I taught you how to play that musical instrument, and I gave you a sheet of music, and I said, okay, everybody begin right now. But then, but then Scott says, because he's a bit of a rebel, rebel well, I don't want to begin right now. I'm not ready to begin right now. Everybody else can begin right now, but I'm going to wait a little bit. And then Jake says, because he's also a little bit impatient. Just kidding. He's not impatient. He's actually a very patient man. He says, cancel. He says, uh, you know, the, the, the beginning part of the song is okay, but I really like the melody. I'm just going to skip ahead to the melody because that's my favorite part. So I'm just going to start playing that. And everybody here today kind of decided they were going to do it in their own time or their own way, or uh, maybe just take a break. Maybe they didn't feel like playing right now. So just, you know, go take a nap and then come back. I'll play it later. Don't worry. Would there be any harmony? No. It would sound like this crazy noise, this crazy mess, everybody talking and playing over each other. It would sound kind of like what the church sounds like right now if there was no harmony. So how do we get back into tune, back into time? Well, it's simple. You look to the conductor. If everybody stops playing just for a minute, stops their own thought process, stops their own ideas about where we need to go, stops trying to do it in their own time, and just looks to the conductor, waits for his signal. You know, if he says stop playing, then everybody stop playing so that we can all be in the same place to start again. 
at the right time, in tune, at his direction. When he waves his wand and says, go, that we're all ready to go. When he says, this is where I want you to pick up, you know, maybe, I, maybe we're not going to start at the beginning because that already happened, but we're going to start at this specific place in the music and the church can be in tune and in time if we do that. And several times throughout history, God has done this. And I looked up some of the greatest revivals in this country alone. And there's, there's five different times or five different places where, where God has moved in a way in a revival that has gone just beyond a, a, a localized level. And, uh, and there's actually many, many times that revivals have occurred in this country, but I wanted to focus on these five. And uh, something interesting that I really liked is that when I looked up uh, greatest revivals in America, what came back was this, was this phrase, the five great awakenings. The five great awakenings. And just really briefly, I want to I wanna highlight these for you real fast. The first great awakening, 1730s, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield. The church was in a place of a lack of participation. Interesting. And for a lot of the people that were in, there was a, a sort of half covenant. There was a one foot in, one foot out. Maybe the, the parents didn't really want to be in church, but they knew it was good for their kids, so they got their kids baptized. There was, a, there was a halfway participation. So because of what these men and several other people did, there was a new awakening, and it lasted for, for years, maybe even a decade, the first great, great awakening. The second great awakening from 1820s to the 50s, it started in, in small frontier camps. And it wasn't just one person. It was several different ministers and preachers and people coming together. The Holy Spirit was moving in a new way and it created this, this uh, revival which turned into an awakening. And really the only difference between a, a revival and, a and an awakening is geography. A revival is typically centered around one place, one location, one area, uh, maybe one pastor, but an awakening is something that happens not localized. It happens in general where you know that it's the spirit of God that's doing this. It's not just man. It's not just one, uh, you know, well-spoken, eloquent minister or preacher that's doing something. God is moving and several people are picking up on what he's putting down. The question is, are you picking up on what he's putting down right now? Are you in tune? Are you in time to the conductor? They were, and it continued on from there. New England churches were starting to blow up. New York towns, there was massive meetings, and probably the most famous pastor speaker to come out of the Second Great Awakening was Charles Finney, amazing man of God. Thousands and thousands of people coming to a tent meeting, getting saved. Out of, out of that awakening, it addressed issues like the, the, the temperance movement. It, uh, and anti-slavery sentiment started coming up, even to the point where, where um, that was partially responsible or at least or proliferated the Underground Railroad. There was, there was movement, a move of God happening right there. It started, YMCA started right after the Second Great Awakening. The next one, 1875 to 85, this is a post-Civil War time where God was bringing healing to a divided nation. How bad do we need that right now? D.L. Moody preached um, you know, in Chicago and surrounding areas. He started boys and girls, Christian schools for the poor. And the next one a lot of you will be familiar with, 1906 to 1915, the Azusa Street Revival. William J. Seymour, and this is something that it said about the revival. The revival helps integrate the church into a more harmonious Unified community, bring together rich and poor, black and white, male and female. Humanism is, being, is beginning to take root with all its Superman thoughts of the futures, glories of society. The Azusa revival and subsequent Pentecostal movement 
brought back into focus the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the unique place of the church as God's institution in the world to do his bidding. The 1910s to the 1970s, the next great awakening was the evangelical movement. Preachers like Billy Sunday and Billy Graham going all over this country, around the world, preaching the gospel and seeing thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people saved coming into the kingdom. There's been many other um, revivals as well, great ones like the Businessmen's Revival of 1850s, where just a group of businessmen came together and started praying, and they prayed until something happened. They pushed. The Promise Keepers Revival more recently in the, the mid-90s, a great movement, move of God. But I, what I think is, is most important right now, and as we talk about these awakenings, more than political victories, more than Supreme Court decisions, more than, than anything else right now, the church in the country needs another great awakening. And if God did it, those five great times, and if God did it so many other times, why can't he do it right now? That's exactly what we need right now. We need another great awakening. So the title of this message is Making Another Great Awakening, or MAGA for short. We need a move of God if we have ever needed a move of God in this country. We need the conductor to give us the signal so that we can unite the body of Christ. And, uh, and you know, through this week and over these last couple of months, I just keep thinking, man, we just need a, we need a Mount Carmel moment. We need an Elijah moment where, where you line up all the prophets of the enemy and let's, let's see which God answers by fire. Anybody else think that we need something like that right now? Just Burn it all up. <laughs> but the difference is, that was Old Testament. We live in a New Testament world right now. So we actually don't need the fire of God from heaven because we are the fire of God from heaven. When we receive Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are the revival. We are the fire. We are the difference, we are the miracle, we are the solution, we are the answer. If each one of us here today catches fire, that is a revival. We gotta revive ourselves before we can revive this country. We gotta revive the church before we can see another great awakening. So what does that look like, a revival? God supernaturally transforms believers and non-believers. It's interesting. God supernaturally transforms believers and non-believers. There's a lot of believers that need transforming right now. The church, the city, a region, nation of the world, there's no bounds for what an, a, revi a revival or an awakening can be. It's a sudden, intense enthusiasm for Christianity. People sense the presence of God powerfully. There's conviction, repentance. Prayer, prayers come easily. People thirst for the word of God. There's many authentic con conversions that occur, and backsliders are renewed. Psalms 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us and bring us to life again, that your people may rejoice in you? The thing about making another great awakening is that, that nothing is going to happen without the presence of God. If the presence of God is not in a place, then it doesn't matter what we do, that a revival and an awakening is not going to happen. So there's, there's two things, at least, that, that we need from God. We need his timing because the awakening that needs to happen right now has to be in God's timing. 
Maybe we would have liked it a few months ago. Maybe we want it right now. We don't know exactly God's timing, but we are trusting in his timing that that is key because without his presence, without the Holy Spirit, there cannot be an awakening. And it's so important that we lift up the Holy Spirit. We make room for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not gonna force his way into our lives. He's not gonna force his way into this country that we as the church need to create an atmosphere to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. But there is something that we can do. We can participate in MAGA. Whether or not we want to participate in starting the, great, the, great, the next Great Awakening depends on those two, these two things. This is what we can do. Prayer. There's been no revival in this country or anywhere else without prayer. Prayer shifts an atmosphere. If, if, if you think that we need it right now, if you think that a revival and awakening is needed right now, then pray. Pray. Let God know. God responds to prayer. God can accelerate his timing through prayer. So if you wanna, if you wanna see God move, if you wanna see the conductor shift, if you wanna see the signal from him, then pray. Pray, 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 pray. There is no greater thing, there is no better way, no method to start a revival than but prayer, through prayer. When you pray, ask yourself, will you respond if God gives you the signal? Are you ready to start playing again? Are you ready to be in time and in tune? Because when you pray, he will answer. So as the saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Get ready. When you pray, atmospheres will shift. When you pray, there will be a signal. Like the disciples at Pentecost, Jesus told them to, I want you to, I want you to go out into all the world, but I want you to wait first. I want you to wait for power. I want you to wait for a release. So they went into that upper room. Maybe there was 500 of them to start, but there was only 120 there left when the spirit fell. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to press in until you see the move of God? Are you waiting? Are you willing to wait until you get that call to start playing? The second thing that we can do, bringing it back to Connect Sunday, is we can establish connections. Connection is the bridge between revival and awakening. If we want this move of God to go beyond just East County or San Diego, then we need to establish connection. We need to establish relationships because turning a revival into an awakening, it's kind of like this, this lightning on the screen. In order for there to be a spark, in order for there to be an electrical charge, there has to be proximity. There has to be connection. There has to be two people coming, to get, coming together. There has to be water boiling, my wife says. <laughs> and that is how you can make water boiling exciting. When all the bubbles start coming up together, when there starts to be a roiling, roiling boil, you get excited. Why? Because you're hungry. You know that the water boiling is the path to feeding you. We need to have that same excitement over this church and over our lives. We need to be excited about the awakening that's happening. We need to be excited about connection, establishing those relationships, building those bridges, forming the bonds that are gonna turn a revival into an awakening. Anybody else here today wanna to be a part of the next great awakening? Part of making another great awakening? I don't know about you, but that excites me. That puts a fire in my spirit where I wanna pray every day. I wanna pray every day to see that revival start right here. Why not here? Why not us? Why not now? 
Who's willing to pray? Who's willing to press in? Who's willing to believe that now is the time? Now is the time for a revival. This is the beginning of another great awakening. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to have your names written down there? And it's not because of fame or anything like that, but God poured out his spirit. And it says it pours out, pours out his spirit unto all flesh. So the opportunity to participate in a revival or awakening is there for all of us. It's there for everybody out there. But history has shown us that it's typically just a few people, a handful of people who respond to that call, who do the waiting, who do the pressing in, then getting on their knees every morning, every night, as often as it takes, pour out their heart to God. Do it again. Do it again. What we can do right now, like I said, is pray, is connect to establish those relationships. We're, we're launching connect groups this coming week or over the next couple of weeks in a season where there's still lockdown orders, there's still shutdowns, people still can't go to concerts, people still aren't even supposed to be in church or at least in limited numbers. We're launching connect groups. We're saying, open up your house to people. Open up your world. Go connect with people. Engage with people. Do life together. Have fun together. Eat together. Why? Why is that so important? Why right now? We've spent a year or so in a place of isolation. And by we, I mean, I mean the country, the nation, city after city, region after region. People are constantly being separated. The elderly secluded to, to nursing homes in a lot of cases or not going to see their families, not going to see their grandkids. People not wanting to, to put their kids in, in Little League out of fear. And I'm not trying to minimize the the danger of a deadly virus. I know that it, it does and can kill people. But it's time that we look past what's happening right now. Because if we're constantly looking at, at the right now, we're going to lose sight of the future. And our future is going to turn into our past. We have to be looking forward. We have to be seeing. We have to be pressing in and believing that something better is on the edge that we're on the edge of, of a next great awakening. We're on the edge of God doing something that he's, he's never done before. All of these awakenings that I talk about were, were powerful. They were significant. They were exactly what was needed, exactly when it was needed. And maybe the next great awakening is gonna be a combination of all of them. Maybe the sixth great awakening is gonna be the most powerful great awakening that this country, this world has ever seen. Maybe it's gonna be an awakening that turns the hearts of people back to Christ back to their heavenly father in a way that has never happened before. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Are we willing to stand up and respond to the call? Let's do that right now. All of us here today, can we stand up? I'm going to close the service. And just right here, right now, with every eye closed, I want to ask you a simple question, and it's not even about, about me seeing it. It's about you really asking yourself, do I want to be a part of this next great awakening? Am I willing to respond to the call, the call to pray, the call to connect, the call to do life? 
So right here, right now, I'm going to ask you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to respond to that call, if you want to participate in the next great awakening, just raise up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Raise up your hand if you're making a commitment to pray for revival, to pray for awakening, to pray for the church coming together. Not about political spectrums, not about, about who's right and who's wrong anymore. It's about listening to the conductor. Are you ready to participate in the next great move of God? Are you ready to respond to his call? Are you ready to play in tune and in time to his music, not our music? If you're ready, just lift up your hand right now. This is not about me seeing you. This is about you asking yourself, allowing yourself to be open up to the the spirit of God, the presence of God. God, you see all these hands lifted up. You see these hearts ready to respond. God, we know that now is the time for revival. Now is the time for the next great awakening. We thank you, God, for what you do. We thank you for your spirit moving in this place. God, I thank you that you pour out your spirit onto every hand lifted up here today. God, and even every hand not lifted up, that you would reveal something new to them, that you would bring them peace, that you would bring them security, that you would bring them a hope for the future of this nation, God, that we are one nation under God, indivisible with your justice, your mercy, your love. God, I thank you for this great awakening. I thank you for this revival. I thank you that this place right here, right now is the epicenter, the start of a powerful move of God, a powerful shift in the atmosphere. And God, I thank you that it would not be located just to East County or just to San Diego. I thank you that all over this country, all around the world, that your saints, your people are lifting up their voice in praise, lifting up their voice in prayer, falling on their knees, crying out to you, God, revive this world, revive your house. Bring us together in a way. Let us go back to a place of common blessing. Let us go back to the start where we know it's your word, it's your house, that we can be a light to the nations. We can be a light to governments and authorities, rulers and principalities. We can be a light. We can be an example to our neighbors. God, let it start in the hearts of us here today and expand, connect to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends that we don't have to bridge the divide on our own because you are doing that. That we'll go back to that source. We'll go back to your heart. We'll go back to the common blessing that all men are created equal, that have inalienable rights bestowed by God, that we have a heart for connection, that we have a heart for seeing your spirit move, for seeing your will come to pass. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. And we know that prayer, establishing this connection with God, the first step in that is to give your life to him. The first step in that is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Like on that day of Pentecost, the the start of the church of Jesus Christ happened with 3,000 people coming into that family, 3,000 people coming in to a revelation of who their heavenly father was, putting their old life behind and stepping forward into a new life. So if there's anybody here today, if you've never given your life to Christ and you wanna do that right now, I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you've been walking with Christ for a while and maybe you felt yourself 
veering off the path and you want to get reconnected, you want to get, rededicate your life, I'd love to pray with you as well. So one more time, if we could all close our eyes. If there's anybody here like that today, you want to connect with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you want to reconnect with him. Would you lift up your hand real quick? I'm over time, but I, I want to pray with you. I see that hand. God bless you. See that hand. God bless you. See that hand. God bless you. So proud of you. Anyone else? I'm going to close the service, but I, I don't want to miss anybody. I'm not going to bring you down. I want to pr- I'm going to pray for you right where you're at in your seat. Anybody else like that? You want to connect with Jesus Christ or reconnect with him? I'd love to pray with you. Let's do this right now. Let's all of us here today, especially those of you who lifted up your hand, say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I claim right now that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that heaven is my home and God is my Father, and I will live out my life in a way that honors Him, that honors His sacrifice. I thank you today for the awakening in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.